It's no secret that Northwest University's more than 14,848 graduates, to be exact, are making a big impact around the globe. And this is why students from more than 70 countries around the world choose NWU for their studies. And it's a great pleasure to welcome Professor Waldo Krugel, who is Professor in Economics at Northwest University, joining us from Potchefstroom. It's quite extraordinary, that number, Prof. Um, you know, 14, over 14,000 graduates and more than 70 countries. Uh, you've got students from over 70 countries around the world. That's, that's quite amazing. It is. And I think people tend to think of us as a small town somewhere in the northwest. Uh, uh, but I think we, we punch uh, at a much uh, greater weight than you would expect. No doubt, no doubt. And of course, you've got a, an amazing legal faculty there as well, if I'm not mistaken. But um, we, we're going to be chatting about all sorts of different things. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, the economy is one of the critical things. You know, when you just drive around, you know, I have a business. I talk to many businesses, many SMEs, uh, you know, load shedding, the impact of the global economy slowdown, the impact of, uh, of inflation. All of these things are, are a perfect mix for a, a very dangerous economy, and especially in our country, and um, the mix of politics into that as well. And economists are predicting a slower economic growth this year, which will obviously have an impact on households and businesses. And, and I, I want to ask you, you know, what, what are the forces that, that are driving this outlook? And, uh, and is there anything that we can do about it? And of course, uh, you know, looking and listening to the banks, they, their sentiment is also negative. So what, what is causing this and what can we do about it? I think there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment about what the prospects look like uh, for 2023. Uh, on the one hand, uh, the international picture was predicted to be quite negative, like you said, but initial data seems like it might be slightly better. Uh, analysts are excited about China's economy opening up again. Uh, they've now really scaled back their zero COVID policies and, and people are getting back to factories and shops as well. So that's a big positive. And it's, it looks like even uh, the US economy is going to avoid a recession and uh, with a drop in energy costs in the EU, even they might avoid a recession, uh, growing very slowly. Uh, but I think the, 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 the doom and gloom picture that we saw in, say, October's IMF World Economic Forecasts, uh, that's been dispelled a bit. So, so that's a positive. Uh, domestically, though, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty about how big the impact of load shedding is going to be uh, on consumers and producers. And, and you'll see mm -hmm. that uncertainty in the, the range of uh, predictions that you get. Uh, the Reserve Bank is predicting 0.3% growth for the year. Uh, and, but then some of the private institutions are looking at 1.2, maybe even a 1.3% growth. And uh, behind all this are their assumptions about the intensity of load shedding and the extent to which businesses can mitigate that impact uh, by using generators, rooftop solar, etc. Um, so so uh, the model behind these predictions uh, has a, a load shedding number in there uh, and, and that drives yeah. what we see in, in, in forecasts. Yeah, no, it is very concerning, and especially you look at the debt ratios of, of Eskom sitting at over 400 billion rand. 
um, you know, at, at some stage somebody's going to pay for this, and our economy is not quite growing uh, like it should, you know. And uh, and I look at you know other African countries like Egypt, who've had 5.5 percent growth over the last few years. I wish we could replicate something like that. But you're 100% right. I mean, it's extraordinary. I remember the doom and gloom last year in October where the energy crisis, etc., etc. But I guess there's that that uh, that unknown in uh, the Ukraine-Russia war that we don't know what could happen still. And we hopefully think, we hopefully, this, the, hopefully this will be resolved uh, pretty soon and we can have some kind of stability in the world. But, you know, inflation has been the one thing that's been very high the past year. And many people are struggling with the high cost of food and, and fuel, for example. Um, and I was just uh, looking out, you know, I'll give you an example. I buy pizza from my favorite place and I've got all the SMSs from my credit card that goes through and I buy the same pizza every single time. And I was looking back at 2020, the pizza cost 108 rand. It then went up a few months later to 128 rand. Then it went up to 135 rand. Then it went to 145 rand. And now the same pizza, two and a half years later, cost 168 rand. So there's a classic. And I was talking to the owners and they were saying that the price of flour, for example, is almost double. So you look at that impact that that has amongst other food items, you can understand why our inflation is so high. But my question is that will inflation stay this high? And what happens if interest rates rise again this year or they come down? Is inflation eventually going to start its downward trajectory like like it's happening in the US, for example? It's slowly reaching a point where it's slowing down. But are we are we going to see the same thing? Yeah, I'm concerned. Hopefully we'll see some of that. And I think we have been seeing it, like you say, with small decreases in that rate of increase. So prices, the levels haven't been coming down. Uh, in, in on well, I say in general, uh, but the rate of increase has been slower. Uh, but uh, we do face particular challenges, like like importing fuel uh, when the rand weakens, even though the international price is stable or slightly lower than it uh, it was at, at times last year. Uh, that pushes up the price of transport, and that is such a big part of people's spending uh, basket. Uh, that, that you still feel the impact of this months after whatever the rand weakened or the oil price increased slightly, it's still with us. So uh, I think the South African mm. inflation story is definitely, it's a food and fuel story. If, if you look at the, the core inflation rate and at the services inflation rate, that hasn't climbed that much. Uh, but uh, fueled by international events, those prices are really high and it's the regular consumer uh, who, who ends up paying these really sky-high prices. The Minister of Finance's budget speech was really interesting in front of Parliament uh, just recently. Um, you know, economists got what they expected to hear. We heard the Minister speak a lot about energy, which is very topical right now when you look at how high we are with stage six and stage four in the mix of energy. I, I don't think we've had one day where we haven't had load shedding this year. So energy is a big thing. And, and the minister certainly focused on energy and, and, and finding a solution to, to get us out of this mess that we're in. And of course, um, you know, tax breaks and, and, and support to households and small businesses. What did you make of the budget? I think a positive picture in, in that regard. Energy really is the, the single biggest challenge facing the economy and growth at the moment. If we can't get the economy to grow faster, then all of the ministers' other ratios deteriorate. The 
uh, budget deficit to GDP, the debt to GDP, those look worse if GDP is not growing. So I think the, the measures that he announced uh, regarding government's takeover of a part of ESCOM's debt uh, and the support to households and businesses will make a difference. The timelines are always an issue. Uh, when you listen to the speeches, you expect this is going to make a change this month or next month, but frequently yeah. it takes longer than that. Uh, so I, I think uh, we should be patient, uh, but we've got some good ideas going. Uh, and now it, it really it's down to the private sector's response to, to what he's put on the table. Yeah, I must say that uh, just uh, just uh, keeping in tabs of, of our finance minister, even in the last budget and the recent uh, you know speeches that he's made, I'm kind of optimistic that he he, he has a very sensible approach to the economy. You know, one of the more sensitive uh, one of the more sensible portfolios in government right now. So that gives me a little bit of optimism uh, on our economy with that budget speech. Absolutely, and I think what the minister does well is he's able to, to strike the balance between the fiscal discipline that's needed to, to balance the books and, and convince the ratings agencies that we're on a path of consolidation. But, but he's, he's not forgotten that there are normal people out there who's really been hit hard by inflation, and, and you need to find a way to support that and get mm. the economy growing. It, it's not an easy balancing trick, but he's been doing it well. And I think uh, what economists particularly like, I think he's, he's been convincing in uh, the, the credibility that he's linked to the plans to, to say we are following a, 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 an approach of fiscal consolidation, but it's not austerity. We're not strangling the economy to get to yes. that point. Exactly, exactly. We've seen other economies that are a lot far worse than us. Um, I mean, I look at Nigeria, uh, not Nigeria, pardon me, I look at uh, Argentina, and I look at uh, Turkey, for example, and you look at the inflation numbers there, um, you know, uh, let's hope we don't get to that point. But you've seen these scenarios before, um, you know, with being a professor of economics, um, and you, you look at all these different models, and I'm really fascinated by geopolitics and economics and how all of them blend together. But when you look at the work that you are doing at Northwest University and the, and the research that you're doing to address the economic uh, problem and, and growth. What kind of research are you guys doing and what are you seeing in your research? I think there's a lot of interesting work being done uh, by a lot of my colleagues. Uh, some focus specifically on tourism economics. And we know that sector has been hard hit by the lockdown and is, is a major employer and contributor to economic growth. So, so people are looking at why would people still come to South Africa? I think the, the tourism, uh, the Department of Tourism has been in the news with the sponsorship, or possible sponsorship of, of Spurs, uh, and it just shows the, the, the relevance of, of these issues and, and how do you market and where do you market and will it actually get those tourists to South Africa? Uh, there are other guys looking at uh, informal markets. Uh, those uh, people in the economy have really sort of fallen by the wayside of economic growth and how they manage to survive. So work on the informal economy, uh, on the recycling economy. So that's also stuff that's happening. Uh, and in, in the School of Economics, we have a number of people looking at international trade and particularly opportunities in Africa. And, and they're excited about the notion of South Africa being a gateway into Africa and that being a driver of economic growth. So I think loads of interesting work uh, and, and hopefully stuff that will also engage 
postgrad students who want to come and continue their studies at the Northwest University. Oh, that's uh, it's so exciting. And, you know, you look at the continent that we're living in and it's just there are just so many possibilities. And I'm just so optimistic about it. You know, we we haven't even started this economic growth trajectory. You know, the youngest population in the world. There is so much opportunity. And, and I'm really optimistic about the growth in the future, provided we, we, we do the right things to encourage that kind of growth. And of course, one of the things are SMMEs, something I'm very passionate about, and the, the, the contribution that SMMEs make to our economy. It is the powerhouse of our economy. They, 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 they employ most of people, they create most of the revenue, and our country is just full of SMMEs and young entrepreneurs. And when you look at the role that these MMS, SMMEs have played in our role of economic growth and development, and you're looking at how SMMEs can, can survive this harsh economic climate, I guess that's the question. Will they survive or are SMMEs more resilient to these kind of changes? I guess I see them a lot more agile than traditional businesses, Prof. I think you're right. Uh, and I think in a way the COVID pandemic has proven this. Uh, everybody was really worried about complete devastation. And of course, there were businesses that struggled and closed down, but there were a, a great number of them who came out uh, swinging, if I want to put it that way. And I think in a similar way, they are finding ways of bridging the, the gap that these electricity shortages are causing. Uh, so whether it's it's on a very small scale with a, with a very small generator, uh, whether it's tweaking operations at the right time, uh, or whether it's investing in the future and getting that rooftop solar going and uh, it costs a lot of money now, uh, but in the end that's what's going to keep the business open for the long run. So I'm also quite optimistic uh, about the resilience and uh, if I could say in Afrikaans, the, the plan mark uh, way of thinking that you find in these uh, SMEs. No doubt about it. I'm sure, Prof, you, you and your team at uh, Northwest University and uh, as professor in economics, you crunched quite a bit of numbers. So I'm going to ask you to, to almost give us a forecast. And I, I guess I'm asking you that, let's say, for example, we didn't have energy problems. Let's say that economically things settled down considerably and let's say that, you know, we, we got the country going again. What's a realistic growth rate that as a country we can expect uh, to grow at if we get most of these issues resolved? And I, I'm quite confident that the energy crisis will be resolved. And in a few years time, in under five years time, I, I, I have a good feeling that if we continue along this trajectory that the president wants to encourage, uh, you know, external uh, businesses to generate their own power, that we will have an abundance of power. But there are all the other issues that come into the equation. But if if we did get everything right and we did get tourists and we did get investment in the country, what's a realistic growth rate that South Africa could be on? The, the numbers out there are really interesting. So I think the conservatives ones are, are saying uh, two percentage points faster. Uh, so instead of 1.3, looking at 3.3. And, and then some of the optimistic ones out there are talking about 5 percentage points faster, which would be extremely fast for the South African economy. And, and I think it just speaks to the potential that's out there. And particularly for, for our traditional industries, agriculture and mining uh, are, are poised to play a big role in the international economy. 
uh, if, like you say, we are able to solve our electricity transport problems, there is huge potential there. Professor Waldo Krugel, uh, who is Professor in Economics at Northwest University. Prof, thank you so much for joining us today. I know the, the signal's been a little bit, uh, a, bit, a little bit edgy because, of course, load shedding is impacting uh, telecommunications. But we've got the message, and uh, thank you very much for those insightful uh, thoughts on our economy, where our economy is going. And uh, I can hear from you and your colleagues at Northwest University the optimism, as I am optimistic. We thank you for your time, Prof. Okay, thank you for the opportunity to speak to you. It's been a pleasure, uh, yeah, and, and hopefully we'll do it soon again.